Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. It's time for another edition of Your Financial Mission, the podcast that helps you better understand the financial landscape and how to best prepare for your own financial future. Walter Storholt here alongside Janine Theus, CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, your financial commander here on the podcast. Janine, how you doing? Doing great today, Walter. How about you? Glad to hear that. I am well. Uh, we've got some great things to talk about on today's show. In a few moments, we're going to talk about what statistics and demographics can tell us about financial and retirement planning. We'll look at some recent statistics and this demographic information. And don't worry, we're not going to get kind of mired down in the numbers, but we're going to see what kind of trends these are telling us about our preparation for retirement and what we can learn from those things. But first... It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. On the mailbag portion of the program, we'd love to answer your questions. If you'd like to submit a question to be featured on a future show, just go to theuswealthadvisors.com. And Janine, this week, I've got a question here from Maria. Maria says, I'd like to retire in my late 50s instead of in my 60s. Are there any downsides to retiring early? Well, there are a lot of downsides. And so first I would have to ask, are you married? And how old is your spouse? And are you both retiring in your 50s versus your 60s? Because today there is a health insurance concern. If you retire in your 50s, what is the gap for health insurance coverage between when you retire and 65 when you can take Medicare? But then you have to look at how much have you saved? And where is this money going to come from that's going to replace your income? And then what are you going to do? Because as we will see in a few minutes, when we look at demographics, you have a long time in retirement if you retire in your 50s. Even in your early 60s, you're looking at 30 plus years. And that is a career in itself. So we have to look at how that's going to play out. So yes, there are some downsides to retiring early. And we really need to look at the entire picture. Because you don't want to not do anything. <laughs> How often are you seeing people wanting to do this, Janine, wanting to retire early like this? Is this a pretty normal approach these days? Is it, is it picking up in popularity or are more people working longer? Well, it's interesting. Most people are starting to realize they need to stay engaged. So whether you are quitting your full-time job current or your career and starting another career, starting a business, there is a lot of evidence that you know, the baby boomer generation or the 50 something generation is some of the biggest part of the population that is starting new businesses. There's a lot that can be done. And so folks are starting to look at that. But I do have some folks that come in and say, yes, I want to retire. Well, then when you actually look at the numbers, the question is, well, can I last a couple more years? <laughs> <laughs> because maybe it really is too early. Or maybe you need to change jobs if you're not real happy. 
to the degree that you can. So it's a much more complex conversation than just saying, I want to retire in my 50s. Sure. You can I mean, if you're willing to make some sacrifices, potentially. Exactly. And and so you have to really look at what that income is going to be and whether it's going to be enough. And will you survive with the savings that you've put in place over the long term when you take into account taxes and inflation? Because the decline of purchasing power with inflation is a huge stealth thief, if you will, in terms of your wealth over that 30 years. Yeah. As you'll see when we talk about some demographics. Yeah. And let's flip the page there because, Maria, even if you're in your 50s and thinking about retiring there, just listen to how complicated or frustrating it can get if you're trying to retire in your 60s, let alone doing it in your 50s. So the problems and some of the things that we're going to uncover talking about these demographics here in a moment, I think will still relate to you being in your late 50s at the moment. So I'll throw out a couple of demographics at you, Janine, as we go through here, and you kind of let us know what you think about these and what they tell us about retirement these days. So let's jump forward a couple of years for Maria to folks who are over the age of 65. Current statistics show that they make up 13% of our country's population. But by the year 2030, they're going to make up more than 20% of the population. So what does that tell you about kind of the the future of the retirement climate? Well, it's actually pretty scary when you look at the data. And there are some groups out there that have done these um, longitudinal studies that our population is aging relatively quickly because longevity continues to climb, meaning people are living longer and there are more of them living longer. So the percentage of population on social security and Medicare is going to be constantly increasing. And we're estimating 10,000 people a day are retiring that are in the baby boomer group. This means a higher percentage of people taking money out of the market in distributions for income instead of investing money into it. And there's an increased demand for assisted living and nursing home facilities, which is going to increase because you have a lot of people in that group. And part of that reason is we have a transient population. And so what we've done, you know, more women are working or they're deciding to go back to work, even though women are the primary caregivers, you are now outsourcing care for the elderly. So you're looking for those instances where these facilities exist and they're just on the increase. Yeah, it's amazing. When you get an older population like that, it just starts stressing all the other infrastructure, uh, health care, and maybe all those folks are out of the workforce. Maybe some of it gets mitigated. Maybe people work longer, and that helps a little bit. And maybe we're even though we're living longer, maybe now some of the health problems that used to crop up in the 60s have been pushed off as well. So maybe there's some balancing out there. But certainly under kind of current situation, looks like it could cause problems in the future. This kind of stat builds off of that mentality, Janine. Another demographic is that a 65-year-old male is expected to live to age 83. But if you make it to 75, all of a sudden your life expectancy jumps up a couple more years to 86. So if you're 65 life expectancy is 83. If you're 75, it jumps up to 86. For a 65-year-old female, her life expectancy is already 85. But if you make it to 75 as a woman, now you're expected to live until 88 on average. Why are those numbers important? It seems it's a conundrum because it seems like that wouldn't really be the case. But if you think about it, the longer you live, the more likely 
your life expectancy will continue to increase. If you're healthy, you're just going to live longer because we have better nutrition in this country. We have better medical facilities. We have better lifestyles. So people are living longer. Now, we can get into big discussions about whether we should be living this much longer, (laughs) but the, the science is we are living longer because we have a very stable environment, a very stable and healthy environment overall. You can't construct a retirement plan that acts like the end of your life is a fixed point. You know, it's actually a moving target. And so you're moving into the future as you get older. You have to build that into the plan. And a lot of people don't do that or have trouble doing that because generally people have a hard time seeing what retirement's going to be anyway. So how do you actually you know, work on funding the financing for it? It's important to be sure that your portfolio has enough long-term growth built into it to help you sustain the lifestyle no matter how long you live. And so, you know, we'll get back to that point in a minute, but people are really, they're not considering what's going to happen in their 80s. Yeah. This is the old uh, mortality tables buzzword, right? Right, right. (laughs) Looking at how long you're going to live based on how old you have already uh, accomplished or uh, how old you've already lived. Another interesting stat here, these all kind of just build off of one another. Somebody between the age of 65 and 70, Janine, has an average income of $42,000. But the average income for people over the age of 80 is only about $20,000. What does that tell you? Well, succinctly put, many folks did not do a good job of accounting for longevity risk, and they end up only with Social Security toward the end of their lives. And the other factor is they probably claimed Social Security early. And since Social Security is built on the 35 years of, you know, best years of your earning life, if you weren't earning a lot, so you're now in your 80s and you weren't earning a lot back then, you're talking about an average of about $1,200 a month. Mm. And that's poverty. Yeah. Even um, if your expenses are lower at that older age from, a, you know, activity and going out to eat and all that kind of standpoint, boy, that's that's tough to live off of figures like that. Yeah. And when you look at a lot of the demographics and see how much people have actually saved, there are statistics out there that 34%, 35%, 40% of the baby boomer population has barely saved $25,000. So if I'm living into my 80s and I'm living on 12, 15, $20,000 a year, you know, by American standards, that is poverty level. Now, certainly, you know, by that point in your 80s and 90s, you've kind of trimmed back your lifestyle because you, you know, based on health or, or et cetera, you may not be doing the things you did 10 or 15 years earlier. But part of it is you have to accommodate those smaller incomes. And people are worried about running out of money. And now, you know, if you listen to the news, we should be worried about Social Security. So (laughs) I'm not sure how that's going to play out. This is, I think, a really good thing for Maria, though. Her question earlier in the show, thinking about retiring earlier, something you wouldn't normally think about would be that Social Security calculation Let's say, Maria, you've only had, uh, what, what is it, Janine, the top 35 years of earnings calculates? Correct. So 35, yeah. what if, Maria, let's say you haven't even worked 35 years. Maybe you, uh, you know, just creating a scenario here. Maybe you've actually only had 20 working years for, for some reason, or even if it was 35 years, you usually aren't making a whole lot during your first couple of years. And so you're having those lower earning years or the zeros factoring into your overall income. 
if you cut out those final couple years of your working life when you potentially would be making the most that you've ever made in your career, at least, again, I'm making some assumptions here, some averages of that's how most people work. Your final few years of working, you should be at peak earning years. A lot of folks are going to miss out on that factoring into their Social Security, right, Janine? Oh, yeah, that's a great point. If you're looking at your highest earning years, they're generally in the last 10 to 15 years of your working life. And if you stop work early, unless you've done your due diligence and saved on the side, Social Security is going to base your income benefit off of those working years. And you will have cut that off, you know, by 10 years or more. Mm -hmm. And so that's a very significant hit to a lifestyle income down the road. And so it's really important to sit down with the numbers and just play with them to see if that's really what you're angling for. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Uh, really good uh, question that Maria posed that's kind of launched us off talking about these different demographics as well. One more, Janine, before we wrap up the podcast today. This will tackle for folks who are over the age of 65. They tend to generate income in several ways. 37% of their income comes from Social Security. I'm going to guess that's probably higher than you would like. Income from working represents about 30%. So there you go, 30% of folks still working past the age of 35 to create income. And then pensions make up 19% of over 65 earnings. And then savings and investments, only 11% factoring into that equation. What's notable to you about those numbers? Well, typically... If you have a higher income in your working life, Social Security by default is going to restore or replenish a smaller percentage of that. So more than a third of the income for people over 65 is from Social Security. And that was, I think, circumstantial in that, you know, the folks that are 65 now may not have been making a lot in the years past. So Social Security is going to cover that much of their income. So to remind folks, the median income for the United States is about 50,000, give or take a few thousand. So when you look at what Social Security is going to replace, it is about a third. A lot of people are waiting longer and longer to retire because they're starting to realize this. And pensions we know are becoming less common. I mean, most of companies have moved to the 401k, 403b platform. So it is up to you to do your savings. And typically we find people have not saved enough. And then when folks say, well, have I saved enough? I go, well, we need to sit down and look at what you've saved and how that's going to work in terms of an income stream. And, you know, you've got to be able to look at generating income from different sources if possible. And most people haven't, haven't really sat down to go through those. What I'd like to examine next and, and kind of in conclusion is some key findings of a study that was a four-year study of 50,000 respondents. You know, it was an investigation into what people's biggest fears were and the three biggest retirement-related financial worries, if you will, for most Americans. One is a costly health issue impacting them or loved ones. People never plan for that, I will say. Inflation, obviously the rising cost of life. And three, not having enough money to do what you'd like. So most people need to think of retirement slightly differently. It's the largest purchase of your lifetime. It's going to cost you two and a half times the price of your average income. So most people, and from this study they did, about was 85%, say they do not know how much they will need to fund their retirement. If you do not know these numbers, you need to sit down with somebody who can help you discover them or figure them out. 
most people say they want to live to the age of 90, but only 27% of pre-retirees at age 50 plus feel financially prepared to fund a retirement that lasts 10 years, let alone 20 to 30. Big disconnect here. Americans are only saving a fraction of what they think they should, because typically it's 5% versus 15 to 25%. And people say the cost of basic expenses or prioritizing to pay down debt are the two biggest barriers to save money for retirement. So getting people to understand how money works is really important because their financial decisions set them up to succeed or fail in retirement. Great guidance as always, Janine. Thanks for taking a look at some of these different statistics and kind of breaking them down for us. I know sometimes going over numbers can be complicated for some folks, but I think this was an easy way to kind of look at some of the trends that are out there, put things into perspective for us, and then see what that tells us about retirement. So uh, what, what should be the red flags or the triggers from today's episode, Janine, if somebody kind of identified with one of these points? What do you think that's most likely to be, and then what should they do? Well, the most common question is, do I have enough? to retire. And that requires looking at everything you've done and saved. Uh, you know, are there pensions in the mix? If not, what is the income you are expecting? What is the income you are replacing? And when should you take Social Security to augment the income? And looking at it from a big picture or, a, you know, the completed puzzle approach, because you can't do this if you're making decisions in silos. You're more than likely to make a, an incorrect decision that will impact you down the road. So big takeaway is if you don't know how much you've saved, you need to come, you need to come in and sit down and go through the numbers to see what is going to work for you and what's realistic. That's a great point. As always, if you want to get in touch with Janine, here are the ways to do it. 443-718-6311 is the number to call. That's 443-718-6311. You can also visit us online at theuswealthadvisors.com. That's where the uh, podcast is as well. You can click on the podcast tab and check out past episodes, and that's where all the future ones get posted as well. That's theuswealthadvisors.com. And if you look at this episode's posting on Theus Wealth Advisors, if you're listening on the blog, check out the blog post of this episode, and uh, down at the bottom, you'll see where you can order your Retirement Rescue Toolkit. If you've not done that before, great resource that tells you a little bit more information about Janine and the team. It's also where you can get some additional great resources when it comes to kind of starting that retirement planning process. It's a great first step to take when you're thinking about financial planning. You can get that Retirement Rescue Toolkit absolutely free. Just order it right there on the website, theuswealthadvisors.com. And you can visit that link in the description of today's episode uh, wherever you're listening, whether it be on iTunes or Google or Stitcher or any of these other places as well. Janine, thanks for the help as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Walter. That's Janine Theus, your financial commander. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time on Your Financial Mission. Oh, 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 o